You are listening to the Murray Hills Church Podcast. To learn more about Murray Hills Church, including our gathering times, and how to connect with us, visit us online at murrayhills.com. Yesterday, uh, my, well, both my daughters came home yesterday because it's a holiday, meal day, and uh, so they, they came home for meal day, and Hallie walked in the, the house, and I got this huge stack of books on our kitchen uh, table, and she goes, why are you reading so many books about hell? And I, I was trying to explain to her, I was like, well, I'm starting a series after Easter on the afterlife, and it's about what happens when we die? And she goes, is it about hell? And I said, well, part of it is, but not the whole thing. It's just I've already read all the books about heaven, and so now I'm reading all the books about hell. There's actually just one message about hell in that series, but I, I'm doing um, an insane amount of reading for this because it, it's such an important question, the, the afterlife, what happens when we die. I think it's such an important question, and it's, it's a, an avoided question. We just don't talk about it much. And so... That's the reason I'm not preaching today. Uh, I'm not preaching today or next Sunday because I wanted to clear my schedule to prep for Easter and the series that's going to come after Easter. So I've been using my study time instead of preparing messages that would have been today. I've been using my study time to prepare a few weeks out. And uh, you've got a, a great speaker today in Marvin Core. And I'm looking for, actually, what he's going to talk about really fits in with the Afterlife series. But we're in a series right now called A Tale of Five Cities. And what we're doing is, in each city, Jesus reveals a little bit more of his identity, of who he was. And uh, today we're in John chapter 11 in the city of Bethany. And uh, Marvin, I've enjoyed getting to know him in the time that he's been at Murray Hills. And uh, he's the former lead pastor at Bible Baptist Church in Saginaw, Michigan, and he started a, a men's ministry called Being Mindful Men's Ministry, and he's leading a men's group here at Murray Hills now on Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock, but I'm going to, Marvin, if you want to come on up, I'm going to pray for you, and uh, then we'll, we'll get started with the message. Let me pray. Father, I want you to ask uh, your blessings on my brother Marvin uh, this morning as he delivers this message. I know that... Uh, He's been studying and, and reading and praying, and I would just ask God that uh, your word be clearly spoken through him this morning as uh, he shares the things from the Gospel of John. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. All right. So we're going to look at John chapter 11. Let me just wow, that light. It's good to be here. Uh, man, Maury Hills. We go to the 11 o'clock service, so you guys are strangers to me right now. So if I get a little nervous, you know why. I haven't seen these faces. But I just want to, uh, first of all, thank Pastor Russ for allowing me to have the opportunity to be able to come and speak. And, uh, man, we love this church. We've been here now, I know I'm going to get it wrong, three months we've been members. About, about, something like that. But we've been members here two or three months now, and we live now in Columbia, and we love it. I have my wife, for those who don't know my wife, my wife Lori is sitting down here in the third or fourth row. Been married to her for 33 years, and God bless her. Uh, and then two of my daughters, we have seven children, but two of my daughters are here. Adrian, my oldest daughter, and my daughter Brianna are here this morning also. So thanking God that they came out. So we're going to look at John chapter 11. Russ was talking about all the reading and different things that we're doing. But I got to tell you, Russ, I did, just, I did a bunch of reading just for this chapter. 
there is so much in John chapter 11. It's, it's just amazing to me. And I probably changed my message at least four or five times because there's just so much good stuff here. But I know that time is limited to what we can talk about. So we're going to talk about Bethany today. I know the past few sessions we talked about um, Nazareth and Caesarea Philippi. Today is Bethany. Next week is Jerusalem. I think my friend Trent Ogilvie had a chance to meet with him this weekend. And he and I sat together and had a good time to talk. So really got a chance to get to know him. So as we look at Bethany, I don't know if I had the map on there or not for the, the PowerPoint. Oh, yeah, it's already there. So, but uh, a couple things about Bethany that, you know, I love looking at just some um, information. But I said Bethany was situated on a rail travel road. It was a road that was traveled a lot. And some scholars think that Bethany was more like a modern subdivision or like a neighborhood rather than a town. So many things happened in Bethany. Simon the leper, the transformation of Jesus, so many other things happened in Bethany. But today we're going to focus on John chapter 11 in, uh, as far as Lazarus is concerned. Bethany was also the place where Jesus stayed overnight during his final in, of, um, week of his earthly ministry. And in Matthew chapter 21, he talks about the triumphal entry and tr- crucifixion. So when you look at Bethany, it wasn't a strange place. It definitely wasn't the place that Jesus was born, but it was a place that he had been to several times uh, in, in his ministry. So it wasn't a place that was, it was unknown to him. But one thing about Bethany is that there was a family there, uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. The Bible describes Lazarus. I love the explanation that it gives about Lazarus. It says that Lazarus, uh, let's see, this is the, so we see this is the first time in John, you know, that we, not the first time that we hear about Lazarus. And Lazarus call, is called as someone that Jesus loved. It's amazing to me that as Jesus talks about Lazarus, he uses that term that someone, the one that Jesus loved, and it's, that term is commonly used in the gospel when he's talking about those people that are intimate with Jesus. Matter of fact, I think John even wrote that about himself. So it was, Lazarus was definitely somebody that Jesus loved, but then it was his two sisters, Martha and Mary. As we look at Martha, one thing about Lazarus too that I was shocked to find out, that Lazarus' name simply means whom God helps, whom God helps. What's appropriate, that, how appropriate that is for his name. Because you know back in Bible times, names really meant something. So Lazarus' name is, is whom God helps. So Jesus had a very close relationship with this family. He knew this family. This was somebody that he had been in their house several times. In Luke chapter 10, we find the story, we remember the story when Mary and Martha was there and Jesus came and, and, and Martha was the one that was encumbered about doing things for Jesus, but Mary was the one who was trying to serve Jesus. And, and so we find that story there. But here it was, Jesus, I mean, here it was that Lazarus, Jesus' friend, had died. The sad thing was is that he got there too late, some would say. It reminds me, my wife just reminded me about this. Um, 33 years ago, I was 24 years old. Can you believe that? 24, 30, that's a long time ago. And I remember being in, in, in Bible college at that time, and, and I was dating my wife, and I met my dad for the first time in my life. I, I talked to him once or twice on the phone, but it was the first time I ever met my dad. So my wife and I got in a car and went to St. Louis, Missouri to see my dad. And uh, make a long story short, he didn't have any idea who I was. As a matter of fact, he came to the door, and he had, his face was full of shaving cream, and he had, didn't have a shirt on. And I said, hey... Uh, my name is Marvin. 
your name is Marvin. He said, yes. And I said, I'm your son. And boy, he kind of looked at me with shaving cream all over his face and said, you're my what? He didn't even know. And, and so my dad didn't live a life as a, as a saved man. My dad was, a, was an unsaved man. And so he, I always, you know, my dad, basically what he did is he was so excited. He got the shaving cream off his face, put his shirt on, put his shoes on, and took me down the street and took me to a liquor store. He just wanted to celebrate as an unsaved man, and he wanted to get some liquor and got some wine, and, and he did that. Then he took me across the street and he introduced me to a prostitute that he stayed with the night before. That was the memory that I had of my dad. The problem with that is, is that I spent that day with my dad, and, man, we said goodbye, see you later, hope to see you again sometime, son, uh, son. And I said, sure, dad, and we waved at him as I said goodbye. And about six months later, maybe not even that, I got a phone call from my sister who said, you need to go see dad, he's dying. My dad was told that he had to stop drinking and smoking, that he was going to have a heart attack and die. And so I remember I got my wife. We were, we were still engaged at that time. And, and um, we got in the car and from Indiana where I was going to college. We drove to St. Louis, Missouri, and we were driving, trying to get there to see Dad and just getting there. And I didn't notice at the time, but all of his family was sitting in the waiting room as he was in surgery, or not, maybe not surgery, but he was, the doctors were working on him. And as I walked in, I saw this group of people, and their jaw just dropped as they looked at me, and they said, that must be your son. And my dad's name was Marvin, and we, you know, he had, I have white in my beard, but my dad had, had red in his beard, and he had brown eyes, just like mine. And I remember as I walked in, the doctor said, you must be a son. I said, yes, sir. He said, I'm sorry to tell you, but he's gone. He said, just five minutes before you came, he died. And, and, and he, said, is my, he said, the last thing he said was, is my son here yet? Is my son here yet? Because I wanted the opportunity to be able to talk to my dad. And I told him that if I ever see you again, I want to tell you about Jesus who saved me and who, who changed my life. But I never got that opportunity. And so this story reminds me of, of that, that situation with my dad. Because in John chapter 11, they came to Jesus or they told Jesus that, Jesus, there is this disciple, that, uh, Lazarus, who you love sleep. Now, they didn't have to tell Jesus to come because he was their friend. He was going anyway. The sad truth is, Jesus waited a couple of days before he even went to go see what was going on with Lazarus. It says there, now a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and his sister, and it was Mary who anointed the Lord, the fragrant of oil, and weep his feet. So, we find it, as I said before, it's the same Mary that was there with Jesus. But Look at John chapter 11, verses 1. Let me, let me, let me I'll tell you what, we're going to go to a different verse. I'm going to, go to, I'm going to read uh, John chapter 11. I'm going to read several verses. I don't think we have it on a PowerPoint. That's fine. But let me just read a, a several verses here as we go through this story about Jesus and Lazarus. So John chapter 11, verse 17. I'm reading it from a New King James Bible here, so you can follow me in your Bible. But in verse 17, it says, So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles. It wasn't very far away. And many of the Jews had joined Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Brother, your brother, my brother would not have died. If, no, I'm sorry. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, I, God will give you. And Jesus said unto her, your brother will rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that the world, 
get the wrong verse here. That, that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus, in verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he asked her a very important question, do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And when she said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. When Jesus, Now, Jesus had not yet come to the town, but he was in the place where Martha met him. And the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw Mary, rose up and quickly went out and followed her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, just like before, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind, who also kept this man from dying? You know, what a powerful story there as Jesus walks and goes to Bethany, Martha comes to meet him, and, and she tells him that line as her sister did afterwards and said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus looks at Martha square in the face and he says, but Martha, I am the resurrection. And so when I look at that verse, it, makes, it reminds me that Jesus is is basically claiming his deity when he's saying to Martha, I am the resurrection. He is claiming that he is God. He's God. You know, so many times in the word of God, when Jesus claimed that he was God, people were upset at him. As a matter of fact, in, 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 in John chapter, chapter 10, verse 7, the Bible says, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Therefore, my father, in verse 17, loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it again. No one takes from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. John 14, 6, the famous verse, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the father but by me. But in that same chapter in John chapter 10, the Jews decided that they were going to stone him. Who is this man? This man that come from, he's just like them, and he would, he's not just saying that he's a, he's, any, he's just saying, man, I'm God. They had a hard time with believing that he was God. C.S. Lewis said he would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something else. You know, the world still asks the question, who is God? And here it was that Jesus in the death of Lazarus was basically just trying to explain 
to the people and to Martha at that time that he is the resurrection. Now, Martha did probably what you and I would do and say, I know that he's going he's gonna to raise again from the dead, you know, when the resurrection comes. But he says, no, Martha, I am the resurrection. One commentator said, he said that Jesus took the resurrection from the doctrine, from the scriptures, and put it in himself. The resurrection became a person. The resurrection, he was referring to, he was saying, Martha, I'm getting ready to do something now. I mean, I know the resurrection is going to come, but I am. I'm all the power that the resurrection has. Everything you're talking about the resurrection, it's me, and I'm going to do it right now. Then he asked her, did you believe this? Do you believe this? The future has burst into the present. The new creation and with it the resurrection has come forward from the end of time in the middle of time. Resurrection isn't just a doctrine, N.T. Wright says. It isn't just a future fact. It's a person. And that person is standing in front of them. And that person is God. Just think about that. Jesus was so personable with Mary, he thought he needed to minister her in truth. Here was she going through this time of her brother dying, and now he had to, he felt like that he had to minister to Martha in truth. He had to give her the gospel. He had to assure her that the resurrection was coming. But he also had to assure her that he was the relationship that she needed, and he is and was then the resurrection. Jesus, he encounters after that, he, but he wasn't just a resurrection, but Jesus comes again to Mary this time. And, and Mary, the Bible says that she was in the house and then the Jews, they, they followed her. And she said the same thing that Martha repeated, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus meets Martha, he gives her a glimpse of his deity and his power. And now he meets Mary, and he gives her something else. See, Jesus, I want to tell you something. Jesus is very sure about relationships. It wasn't some people you have to give truth when they're going through tough times, but then there was others like Mary. He had to, there was tears. In John eleven thirty five, 35, the Bible says that Jesus wept. He broke down beneath the weight of Mary's tears. He could not stand to see Mary cry. And how could he be God and cry the way he cried? But he was. Some people say God wouldn't be that emotionally exposed, but here you have deity joined with human vulnerability. His love pulls him, pulls him down from his weeping. God is not such a big God that he cannot weep with us. God is not such a big God that he's a, he doesn't care when we go through troubles. Here was Mary and Martha uh, grieving their brother, and Jesus yet cried. Now, matter of fact, the Bible said he weeped, and he was in distress, and he, he just kind of just, just lost it. You know, sometimes with working with men, sometimes people... Ask is that, do, do men have feelings? <laughs> I never see my husband cry or we do. I, I think what I've learned is that 
me and, and what we do sometimes as men, we like Adam. We take those fig leaves and we put over us because we try to hide what our real feelings are, but they come out. 33 years ago, I never weeped or cried for my dad because I was just so focused about preaching that funeral. And that's been my testimony, Pastor, for the last 33 years. But two, three weeks ago, I got up and my face was just full of tears and, and I was just hurt and I was upset. My wife said, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know. I just woke up like this. And I started thinking about a dream that I had. And it was a dream about my dad. And my wife said, you know, I don't think you've ever cried for your dad. 33 years later, Jesus was emotional, but yet he was God. Well, the book that you talked about a few weeks ago, Pastor, Emotion, Emotional Healthy Spirituality, powerful book written by a pastor who was so out of tune of his emotional life because he was so busy doing things in his spiritual life. And it wasn't until he found his three-year-old daughter face down in a pool because he was so busy with ministry and work that he recognized, I messed up. Jesus is not so godly that he's not emotional and that he doesn't care. You know, I thought about this verse, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness but was in all points tempted as we are, yet he was without sin. Jesus weeps. Jesus cries. Those of us who, you know, I look on the prayer list and I see people sick and I see people who have had loved ones pass away, I want to tell you something, that there is someone who cries with you. Even when everybody else is gone and weeks that, you know, the person has passed away and, and, and everybody's gone and nobody's writing you and no more flowers are coming in, Jesus still weeps. He cares. If I wasn't here preaching this morning, I'd be on my way to Saginaw, Michigan, or actually I'd be on my way back from Saginaw, Michigan, because a good friend of mine who was a member of our church years ago when we were in Michigan passed away just the other day. And I texted his wife and said, man, I can't be there. I have another engagement. But I just want you to know I'm praying for you and praying for him because he had been sick. I didn't know he had been sick for a while. I just talked to him on Facebook just a couple weeks ago. And, and he went to the hospital and he died. You know, we always say, sorry for your loss. Sorry for your loss. But, man, don't we, we need to understand that Jesus cares. Jesus cares for us. He moans and he cries. He gave Martha truth. Because she needed it. She had to have truth. But he came and he gave Mary tears. Because he was filled with tears. Because he saw how broken she was. You know, the last thing I come to say this is that, I won't read it because I want to make sure I get done in time, is that uh, when he asked, he start, finished crying, he said, where, is, where did you lay him? And I see a picture in my mind of the tomb where Lazarus was there. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. For Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out. And there he was. 
And he, I thought it was funny because Jesus said, take the grave clothes off of him. And so many pictures in that, in those scriptures. One picture I see is the foreshadow of, of that one day Jesus will call us from the grave. Amen? He will. One day Jesus will call my friend Fred Burks from the grave. One day he'll call your loved one from the grave. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump call of God. Lazarus will die again someday. But Jesus came in the resurrection so that we will not have to die ever again. We won't have to die. Can I tell you something? I always heard this statement. We were born to die. But you know what? He didn't create us to die. He created us to live. The Bible says that, that John 10.10, 10, that he came to give us what? Life. And give us life what? More abundantly. But when the thief came, when Satan came, what did he steal from man? Life. They didn't die Physically right away, they, they, they died, they didn't die physically right away, probably 900 years later, he died or whatever it was, he died. But spiritually, he died immediately. So why did Jesus die? He came to give us what Satan took from us, life. He came to give us life. And so, even though Lazarus was raised, he's going to have to die one day. But you know what? Jesus said, I'm not. I want to die for you. I think Jesus was crying not only because of Mary, he was so burdened by it, but I, under, I think he was crying, I believe, is that Jesus saw the agony and the pain that death put on the people that he loved the most. You know, I've been a pastor for 16 years, and I, I got to be honest with you, the hardest thing for me is when people die. People say it to me all the time, you're a pastor. You should be used to it by now. I never get used to it. I, I never get used to going to a funeral and, and seeing a body lay in the casket. I never used to get used to talking to the family members when a person passes away. I, I never get used to that. And Jesus was in agony to see Mary and Martha so hurt. Because of death. But I think there was something else too. I think Jesus realized and recognized that in order for man, in order for Lazarus and you and I to never die again, he recognized that he was going to have to die for us. He had to give his life for our life. So when I think about Jesus having pain, I think about those things. I think about how the fact that he was so upset because he saw what death did. But he also recognized that I'm going to die. I'm going to die because I don't want man to die any longer.
He gave Mary truth. He gave, he gave Martha truth. He gave Mary the ministry of feelings. But you know, we also find out that he said, take the grave clothes off. I love that. I love that. I love that. Why? Because Jesus, for me, was saying, I am going to conquer death. <laughs> take those grave clothes off. By the way, in Luke chapter 11, verse 53, when they, the, the, the resurrection of Lazarus, he, Jesus talks about in the earlier chapter how he was going to get glory from that. There was going to be a serious problem if Lazarus was going to come out of that grave. <laughs> it was going to be a serious problem if Lazarus come out of that grave. Matter of fact, if, let, let me just read it to you. But in Luke chapter 11, in verse number 50, I think it's 53 there, he says, then, well, verse 52, uh, yeah, he says, and, and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together and one of the children of God was scattered abroad. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly from the Jews, but near the wilderness into a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. The problem Lazarus was going to be raised, and if they, they, they were basically saying, the Sanhedrin's there, was, I heard somebody say it was like a Supreme Court. And they said, man, if Jesus raised that man from the dead, if he comes walking out of that grave, we're in trouble. Because they're no longer going to follow us, they're going to follow him. And what are we going to do? <laughs> and so Jesus just basically said, I'm getting ready to conquer this thing. I'm getting ready to conquer death. And he took the grave clothes off. And my friend, I want you to know something. We live this life, but we need to understand something. This life is not really the life that, that we need to live for. The life we live for is the life that we have with Christ. I think the reason I get so upset and maybe we get so upset about death is because we never think about what you're going to talk about in a couple weeks, the afterlife. We're only thinking about this life. Sorry for your loss. What did you lose? The book that you're reading with Tim Keller about death is such a great book because there's so many things in there when we, it makes me get my mind on what this life is all about. My life is a vapor. So, folks, uh, for me, the, John chapter 11 says a lot. And I, I, if anything I try to give today is I want the people in this church more years to know. I don't know many of you. But I know this, Jesus cares. Jesus is, is crying for you. And when nobody else is around, he wants you to know that he has tears for you. He wants you to know that there is a resurrection. By the way, he wants you to know that he is the resurrection. That's so good to me right there. He's the resurrection. And I don't know if my dad ever in the time, from the time I saw him to the time he died, I don't know if my dad ever looked up to heaven and said, Jesus saved me, but I'm hoping that maybe he did so that I will be able to see him again. Amen. He is, he said, I am the resurrection. What a great passage. I know there's so much in that chapter I missed. There's so much more that could be said. I could talk about it for days. But I think the biggest thing for me is that Jesus had an encounter with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. 
And I want you to understand that he had that encounter because he cares about relationships. He cared enough about Martha to give her truth. He cared enough about Mary to give her tears. He cared enough about Lazarus to show his power. He's the resurrection. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that you be with us this morning and that you would encourage us just through the simple words that, Lord, I could read from this passage of Scripture. And there's so, so much more to give. Lord, I just pray that you will be able to give us peace in our hearts. We live in a world today where there's so much turmoil. There's so much fighting. There's so many misunderstandings. There's so much going on. Help us to put our minds at ease and think about Christ. Help us to know that he is the resurrection. For those that are struggling with diagnosis and those who, are, who have loved ones who have recently passed, or some in the last couple years due to COVID or whatever the case it may be, Lord, I pray that you would just put your arms around them like a comforter and you would comfort them. And though the circumstance is not going to be taken away, but you, like a comforter, will make them warm. And, Lord, just make them feel comfortable because of your grace. Help us to be a comfort to others. Help us to know that you are the resurrection and that you give us life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. If you are encouraged by today's talk, feel free to share it with your friends. Please also consider rating and subscribing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please visit us online at murrayhills.com.